Hey Moth family, save the date for the Moth main stage on Saturday, February 27th at 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Join us and host Jonathan Ames for an evening of stories as five storytellers take the virtual stage and share a true personal tale from their life. Stories of glory and defeat, taunting fate, laughing in the face of danger, and the moments that forever changed the course. Buy tickets now at themoth.org slash virtual mainstage. Welcome to All Together Now, Fridays with the Moth. I'm your host for this week, Hannah Campbell. I'm also the senior manager of the Moth's education program. Most of my work at the Moth is about creating space for people, especially young people and educators, giving them space to share their stories. This work brings me so much joy. It brings me so much joy, in fact, that I even do it in my spare time. About three years ago, for my 31st birthday, I hosted a mini moth story slam at my family's dining room table. I invited my mom, my dad, my aunt, my uncle, and even my cousin to share stories. Of course, I timed them and I gave them feedback. The prize was a ticket to be my plus one at an upcoming moth story slam, and the winner was my Aunt Hope. Auntie Hope and I arrived at the Bell House in Brooklyn, and she put her name in the hat. To our delight and surprise, her name was pulled to tell a story. So this week, our story is from my aunt, Hope Wade. The theme of the night was control. Here's Hope, live at the Moth. So I don't know how it started. I don't know if it was a big argument or what. But my friend Sam bet me that I couldn't get a job as a female salesperson in a car dealership. I was like, why not? He said, well, I've never seen a woman as a car salesperson. I was like, OK, fine, I can, I can do that. And then he said, but if you don't get the job, you got to cut off your hair. And I'm like, what? <laughs> now I have to get the job. Because I'm black, and my hair does not grow too quick. So anyway, I decided, okay, fine, I gotta get the job, and I had to get the job in one week. So I put on this really nice red suit, a short skirt, you know men like short skirt, high heel shoes, and my hair tied all the way back with red lipstick and a big flashy smile. I wanted to walk into this Hyundai dealership, and the manager came over to me, thought I was buying a car, and I said, no, I, I just wanna work here. And he was like, uh, do you have any skills in sales? I said, no, but I worked at a love store when I was in college. He said, that's not enough. I said, well, so anyway, he looked at my resume. He says, yeah, you're in the Cooper Union. Why do you want to work here? I think, why not? <laughs> well, he gave me the job. And I was like, yes. <laughs> so now I started working. And this really short guy, manager, really good looking. So it's easy in the eyes. And so he decided he's going to put me on his arms. And he's going to basically show me the ropes. So we were selling used cars, doing good. Then one day, this client came in. He wanted to buy a new car. And I was like, oh my god, I don't, I don't remember everything. He said, don't worry about it. Just do as I tell you. OK, fine. So there I was. I made my presentation. I walked around the car, opened the hood, showed him the dipstick, DOHC. Look at this engine. Look at the back. Oh my god, you don't have to open the trunk. You can open the back in the front. And you can look through. You can, if you're in a long distance journey, you can just get somebody to open the back, and you can get your sodas. And he was like, wow, this is great. So anyways, let's go for a test drive. A test drive, right? So we're driving, and I'm talking mile a minute because I'm nervous. So when we got back. He was like, you know, that was, I really think I like this car. I said, great. 
And then he said, uh, I have a trade-in. And I go, what? He said, a trade-in. I'm like, oh, okay, where's your trade-in? So he shows me the car, and it's a Hyundai, um, a Hyundai Excel. I said, okay, Farmer, how much do you want for the trade-in? He says, well, this deal, I need $2,000. So I don't know. So I go to my boss. I said, here's the key to the car. Go check the car. He wants $2,000. My boss says, come, come with me. Let's go. So he looked at the car. He goes, $2,000. Listen, tell this guy $500. I said, no, 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 no. Listen, listen, listen. He said, $2,000. There's no way I can tell this man $500. He says, Hope, listen to me. Listen to me carefully. When you go over to him, you're going to look him in the, in the face and say, did anybody die in an accident? I said, what? He said, do what I say and then be quiet. <laughs> so now I'm nervous. I'm like, I got to control this customer. I got to control this deal. So I walk over to the man. And I press my hand really hard on the desk. And I go, did anybody die in this accident? He goes, what? I said, your car. He said, I said, who died? He said, oh my God, no, no, uh, no. Uh, nobody died, but uh, it was a big accident. But I mean, the insurance took care of the car. I said, that car is a rat. I said, listen, I don't even know I can give you two or $300 for that car. Are you serious? $2,000, forget it, get out of here. Maybe $500, and that's if I can convince my boss. So now I'm thinking, I gotta control the deal, because now I'm nervous. So I said, okay, fine. The first thing my boss taught me about a deal is, when you're gonna finalize the deal, look in the customer's face, tell him, and then shut up. The first person who speaks loses. So he looked at me and I go, look. So I grab the paper, I write $500, circle it. I'm nervous, the back of my throat is dry. I'm trying to inhale, count two, three, four. I want to exhale, but it's going to be too loud. And my, I don't know, my neck is going to get bigger. He's going to know why I'm nervous. And he's looking at me, and he's looking at the car in the showroom, and he's looking at me, and looking at the $500, and looking at me. And I'm going, dear God, please, I need this deal. I really, really need this. I need this money. It's my rent. And he looks at me, and he goes, <laughs> Look, yeah. and I'm silent. I'm like, I got all day to be quiet. <laughs> and then he said, look, look, if you can give me the $500, we do the deal. I go, oh, great. So I thrust my hand in his hand, this big, fat, juicy hand, and I shake it. <laughs> and I go, okay, great. Let me have your credit card. You're taking this car home today. So I pull the card from him, and I walk up to my boss. And I go, I did it, my boss. I knew you could. I learned something that day. To get a deal and to control the deal, you say what you want, you shut up. <laughs> the first person who speaks loses. That was Hope Wade. Hope is a graduate of Cooper Union College. She is also the producer of Rockland Fashion Week and owns Hope Wade Designs, a fashion company. Auntie Hope told me that she and Sam, her friend from the story, would often get into debates. One day, Sam was talking about how there were certain jobs that women just didn't have, and Auntie Hope did not agree with that. He said, well, have you ever seen a woman selling cars? Auntie Hope admitted that she hadn't, but she definitely could. Sam bet her that she couldn't, and the rest is history. 
One positive outcome of the pandemic for me is that I've had more time to connect with my family. For a while, it was a lot of video chats and phone calls. And once it was safe to start moving around again, I actually visited my family. They live about an hour outside of New York City. During that visit, I got to catch up with Auntie Hope and learn more about her story. Okay, hi, Auntie Hope. Hi. So your friend Sam, who challenged you to the bet, what did he say or think when you told him that um, he lost and you won? Well, the first thing he said was, <laughs> I knew it. Knew what? Well, he said he knew because of the challenge that was very difficult for me to lose because I'm so competitive. So he knew I was going to somehow get the job done. He was hoping I would not hit the one-week mark, but I did. So, I mean, the funny thing about it is that I end up being in the car industry for nine years because of this one bit. What eventually made you leave? Well, the car business was pretty lucrative, but a lot of the um, d the car dealers, their marriages weren't very good because it takes a lot of your time. You go into work at 8 o'clock in the morning and you're still there until 9. Or if you have a day off and a client decides that that's the day they have to pick up the car, it means that you have to come in to deliver the vehicle and the delivery takes an average about 2 to 3 hours. So I've observed that many wives had to literally bring kids with them to show them the dad because, you know, he was not home. And I made a decision. When I get married and I have a child, I am not going to be in this business. doesn't matter how much money I was making. And so I quit exactly two weeks before my child was born. I said, bye, y'all. So Jasper, your child, my cousin, is 19 years old now. So that was 19 years ago. So what, what have you been up to professionally since then? I was a stay-at-home mom for about 9, 10 years. And then, you know, I've, I've always been a designer, you know, and then I decided, okay, fine, i got to go for this thing full-time. I've been a fashion designer since. Uh, one of my pieces is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Museum that was worn by Darlene Love on the last Christmas performance of the David Letterman show. So I have been designing for the Mr. Maker Universe, Mr. Maker World, um, you know, various this, um, clientele, and that's what I've been doing full-time. And now I do masks because we're in COVID-19. Is there any parallels between selling cars and designing clothes? Absolutely. There's negotiating. For example, I'll say, okay, a wedding dress starts at $2,000, and a client may say, well, that's a little above my um, how much I would like to spend. Then I have to show her what the product is in terms of the quality fabric that we use. It could be that a business wants to order you know, a large inventory, for example, masks, and they say they want to be at you know, X dollar per item. And I'll go back and forth with them. And in some cases, I'll tell them a price, I'll shut up, and whoever speaks first loses. Usually it's a customer. <laughs> that was Hope Wade. You can check out some photos of Auntie Hope and I, her dress that made it into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and more in the extras for this episode. Head to our website, themoth.org slash extras. Sharing stories is a beautiful way of building relationships. It can help create new connections with strangers or deepen your connections with friends and family. Here are some prompts to get you thinking about stories of your own. When was a time you found yourself on a surprising path? 
How about a time you won a bet? When was a time when you spoke first? You can also find these prompts in the extras for this episode on our website, themoth.org slash extras. Until next time, from all of us here at The Moth, have a story-worthy week. Hannah Campbell is the senior manager of The Moth's education program. Her work focuses on building supportive spaces and a national platform for young people and educators to share their stories. She loves her family and is proud of her Jamaican heritage. Podcast production by Julia Purcell. The Moth podcast is presented by PRX, the Public Radio Exchange helping make public radio more public at prx.org. Moth Story Slams are back. Held on Mondays beginning in February, join us for our weekly open mic story slam competition. February's theme is Love Hurts. Throw your name in the hat for a chance to tell your story or just come to listen to stories of a total eclipse of the heart, kicked to the curb by the people or places or things you love or used to love. Visit themoth.org slash events to buy tickets now. That's themoth.org slash events.